0: You're Robbie Digital, live from the Stoop Podcast Hope you're doing well, hope you're doing alright On this week's episode, I have a good friend of mine it's by the name of Chuck Marcus Chuck is a photographer, videographer, dot connector, all-around networker From New York City that now resides in Atlanta On this episode, we're going to figure out how networking and building is not just some words that you use Tune in as I found out how he got from the stoop to where he is today Live from the stoop podcast, me, Robbie Digital Let's go You're Robbie Digital, live from the stoop podcast Hope you're doing well, hope you're doing all right. On this week's episode, I have a good friend of mine By the name of Chuck Marcus Chuck is a photographer, videographer, dot connector All around, networker From New York City, that now resides in Atlanta. On this episode, we're going to figure out how networking and building is not just some words that you use. Tune in as I found out how he got from the stoop to where he is today. Live from the stoop podcast, me, Robbie Digital. Let's go. Live from the stoop podcast with me, Robbie Digital. Um, it's really interesting The weather's nice I I feel good Um, I haven't lost a beanie or a hoodie yet So, um, God is good all the time And all the time, God is good Um, I know I want to first shout out All our listeners Um, we've made over a thousand downloads In a little bit over a month So I greatly appreciate everybody From uh, commenting and liking and subscribing Um the podcast is now available on apple and on spotify Uh so that way you can use it for your daily commutes Um I do have a lot of friends but this one is a special one not to say that my other friends aren't special because they are But because he's a guest we have to make him feel more special than the last ones Um i've known this man for some time i want to say the better part of two or three years new york has People say why do you pay high rent in New York And you pay for To breathe New York air The networking that allows you to do it And the people that you meet And this gentleman is one of them Um, I feel like when I see him somewhere And he sees me I know that I made the right decision to go there Because I know I'm going to have a great time And I'm going to meet great people So without further ado It is my honor and privilege to uh, to present our guests, introduce yourself, sir. Peace,
1: God. My name is Chuck Marcus. First and foremost, that is the illest intro Has anyone's ever given me. <laughs> I may need to record that. <coughs> that is a anytime anytime they're in prison, just play this.
0: <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs>
1: Uh, how you been, man? I'm good, man. I'm good, man. Happy to be back on New York soil, man. I see that, yeah, man. Mr. Pavement, Mr. Energy, Mr. People.
0: You can feel the poverty as you're going across like the George W. Bridge. You can feel it. Like there's this energy about that. Even when you're in a plane, you know when when you you're going into New York because it it covers over you.
1: Yeah. Yo, so like a lot of people don't know this, but like every time I land in New York City, no matter when I lived here, when I didn't live here, I always listen to Illmatic from the time like the the captain's like we were descending until I get off of the plane.
0: Really? Yes,
1: I listen to it. it's like it it is like it's like a soundtrack for me. It's like beautiful. And it's like you get out in LaGuardia, you're still in Queens, so you just feel the energy. It's like, "Oh, wow, this is amazing." I
0: I can see that. I can I can I can see that. It's like I don't care what no one says like New York has just this feeling that just comes over you the moment you know you're enter and when you're from here it's kind of like it's kind of like what hove says like you can you can change yourself but that's just removing the top layer you was who you was before you got here
1: oh yeah always I man i think i think new york city especially like native new yorkers like we're just different like we keep that we keep that real near and dear and soul to us no matter where we go no matter what environment we're in like you could spot a native new yorker is that from is from aura apparel Obviously, stature, talking, but yeah. you, could, you know it's like, oh, yeah, night. He from the city.
0: Yeah, okay. you'll see, like, we'll go into a party, dab everybody up, and then slowly get back to the wall. Slowly see where the exits are. <laughs> <laughs> we, very true. We'll wait till we hear one of our favorite songs. We catch a dub, nah, kiki, and then go back to where we at. Very yeah. calm and secluded.
1: Yeah, nah, I, I, I'm definitely, as I, like, build that community out in Atlanta, they're, I got them saying all types of stuff. Keep your head on a swivel. They don't, they're like, what's that? Just be alert, you know? At all times. All the times, you know? All times. You know, I got them saying quiet. Oh, man, they don't even know. <laughs> and I'd be like, Oh it's quiet. They'd be like, what's that? It's, it's quiet. It's just quiet.
0: Because there's a lot of New York lingo, I think, that we've also gotten a bad reputation from. Like, everyone assumes we just walk around and butter Tim's and say dead ass all day. And I'm yeah. like, that's not really true.
1: It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a horrible social media stereotype. And. I think also it's a time period in New York. Like, I don't think... That doesn't exist anymore. First no. of all, Tim's are just too heavy to be wearing.
0: <laughs> you know, it's... All right, look. I don't want to do this to my MTA workers and my sanitation department workers who are very heavily listening to Wu-Tang and watching the Wu-Tang Saga <laughs> on Hulu. But Timberlands are heavy, bro. Them shits are hurt. Them shits hurt and they're heavy.
1: Yeah, they're, they're heavy as hell. Like, And that's what I try to tell most people who are not from New York. It's like, yo, we don't wear Tim's. Yeah, I think... If I'm being honest with myself, the last time I wore Tim's was like twenty maybe seventeen.
0: Yeah. I bought a pair of uh staple Tim's. The collab and now I want to get rid of them.
1: No, I I, and I have two pairs. I have a pair of forty belows, and then I have like a the super high top black Tims,
0: but forty below is different because that's, that's criminal activity. Like you have to have that <laughs> in your arsenal. Like that's a. But I couldn't tell you that's the, a staple.
1: But I couldn't tell you the last time I wore them is what I'm saying. Like uh, that's what I'm okay. saying. It's like like I haven't worn Tims in so long, and and my reasoning for it is just it's too heavy. Like agreed, like. When I lived here, I think the only time I wore 10s is when it really snowed. And I'm talking about real snow, not like it snowed and it disappeared. Not the Blasio snow. We're talking like
0: Pataki snow. Yeah. Like 96 snow. <laughs> yeah. So it's like,
1: <laughs> so it's just like, it's just interesting that the internet, that's how they perceive us.
0: Well, it's no better now. Now that we have uh side, side talk NYC, not now it's just bing bong everywhere.
1: Nah, but that's, that's, that's premium content. That content's that premium. Man.
0: It's really good. Like it's really good. I know. Like a lot of people's like the way people are. They are polluted I'm like, nah. I like it. It's nah, good. Nah, it, nah. It's it's great. And it's and
1: it's real. It's real authentic New York.
0: Come on, son.
1: Like great. Like it's it's you walking through your neighborhood and you're hearing what they're doing on that little that little social media page. It's everywhere in New York City.
0: Yeah, I wish it was. I, I like my friend from uh, from Florida. He hit me. He's like, y'all can't act like this. I'm like. Yeah, that's pretty much about it I don't think he's He's not missing anything He's yet. not missing a beat It's It literally is like that And yeah. like Granted,
1: I mean There's layers to people But there, we all know If you're from New York You know someone who moves like that
0: Yeah <laughs> We outside That's it da, da. Like all of that But we know that <laughs> We know that Unfortunately And we just look And we're like Yeah Like like I was on I got on the bus this morning to uh To meet you, right? Mm-hmm. To do this interview and as I'm getting on the bus, now I'm I'm on I'm I'm getting on the bus. Might I add, the there's a car parked in the bus stop lane, typical New York shit. But the bus driver didn't want to go around the bu- the car to get into the bus stop, which he could have. So he made her drive to get out of the bus stop lane, to so he can move the car into the move the bus into the bus stop lane. So a guy says. Yo lady you don't see you in a fucking bus stop lane Get the fuck out the lane (laughs) So she's like yo shut the fuck up And he's like Bitch fuck you and your bum ass Kia I said wow (laughs) So in my head now Now people may say Rob that's really volatile But I want you to break down the science of this This man who told her she has a busted ass Kia He was too getting on the bus
1: and he was advocating for the bus Like yo you're in the wrong space
0: Yeah but he also established dominance For the fact that he He doesn't have a car <laughs> So he's not in a position to really talk of like hierarchy Like in the social currency class Like if we were talking about class system That lady would be better than him Because she's driving
1: eh, eh, Not in New York Are But you- not in New
0: York yeah, In New York it's like nah fuck you Fuck your bum ass Kia Like he really said it and I was just like I can't really I wasn't mad Because I'm not driving (laughs) Yeah
1: I I mean Yeah having a car in New York Is a luxury But it's not You're not better than me We're the same
0: Well here's the thing I define luxury In New York City By having a parking space Not the car
1: But that's only That's only three places In New York City That's Queens This part of the Bronx Because we're fucking Deep in the Bronx (laughs) people I want them to know All right (laughs) In fucking Brooklyn Like the end of Brooklyn Like those are the Knarsie. only places Those are the only places Where you can have Your own parking space The rest of them Is street parking
0: But that's what I'm saying Like you You can define wealth By having a parking spot Like that's a true Definition of wealth Because you can tell A friend You can tell your friends Who have to park On the sidewalk Before 10 o'clock They leave the party Like around 8 Cause they know They gotta go find That parking spot When they get home
1: Yeah I, I get that I understand that, but you're also like I said. That's still a select, a select few. There's not many people who have that luxury. Like I said, like like you said, in Brooklyn it's Canarsie, and maybe like the end of Flatbush. Yeah, right. In the Bronx, it's just from Gun Hill Road up to where the fuck are we? <laughs>
0: where, <laughs> so we're we're uptown in the Bronx. We are on white. We're on the plains. Uh, we're on White Plains Road, uh, Subway Sound Network, Voice of People, Voices of the Streets. Um, yeah, up here, yeah. pretty much. Like, up here, like, most people up here, they they have little,
1: little houses, and they mm-hmm. have the driveway. And yeah. then, like, in Queens, I think it's, like...
0: Well, Queens is witness protection, so there's there's parking everywhere for yeah.
1: there. Yeah, but still.
0: Yeah. It's more, it's,
1: it's more people with driveways in Queens than it is... Anywhere in New York City,
0: probably so. Yeah, (laughs) probably so. The only thing that the Bronx really has over all the other boroughs is we're the only borough that's inland to Mm. the rest of the country. So like every every other borough is on an island.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Bronx is yeah. They're not. They're not an island.
0: Yeah. So (laughs) like when you say you come into the Bronx, people are like, "Oh, you're going upstate." (laughs) Like bro, Mount Vernon is not that far, bro. It's like literally Oh, oh
1: from where we are right now, yeah. Mount Vernon's across the street basically.
0: Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. It's not that far. Yeah, nah.
1: We're not Yeah, nah. Yeah, I don't I don't think I've ever been this far on the 2 train. <laughs> but it's, it's like cool so though. much
0: daylight.
1: <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah, I'm used to the outside part. I just feel like the furthest I've been on that journey is probably like Pelham Parkway. Like even on the Gun Hill side, I probably go there on the 5 train side.
0: Oh, uh, okay, yeah. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah.
1: But like I was like when I said I said dang. This is deep deep.
0: <laughs> a lot of people do have that uh misconception. But I, I love being up here. Uh it's quiet. Uh I've been up to the I've been in the Bronx my whole life. So, you know, i with the exception of moving around a bit, but always coming back to the Bronx.
1: All right, so
0: let's go Let, Let's get to it I am from Uptown <laughs> go, ahead. Yeah, so go ahead, Chuck talk, talk about it Yeah,
1: so I'm from Uptown, man So I grew up between Harlem and the Bronx South Bronx, not this part this Ah, uh, okay So you're
0: past 183rd <laughs> Nah, not that
1: far up me But like 161 You know what I'm saying? Ooh You know what I'm saying? Okay, like so South like, Bronx So like
0: Eagle Avenue Nah, not Teller even
1: Grand Concourse like Grand Concourse okay. right there. Yeah, like, you going right. too
0: far Because you know what it is? Like, I would always go visit the South Bronx And I always felt like When I would go to visit my family and the South Bronx I always considered The South Bronx 183rd and down
1: Yeah but like If you hit like So like 149th High Bridge Up to like Tremont Like that's the real South Bronx
0: Agreed yeah. so Where that 41 bus is Yeah I yeah. mean where the uh, 42 No the 40, 41 The 41 yeah. 42 over there That East Tremont yeah, And 3rd
1: 19 Yeah take you like Oh that's like the That's the core of the South Bronx I agree Yeah so I grew up between Harlem and South Bronx So like my mom's stayed on 161 Grand Concourse. So I kicked it a lot over there with like, Concourse Village dudes, A forty cats. And then, obviously, my parents is from Harlem, so we were always in Harlem for everything as far as school go. You know, uh,
0: you
1: know what I'm saying? So, like, whenever was that pre-K to fucking eighth grade, I always went to school in Harlem. And then high school, I went to Morris. Oh, uh, okay. You know, and then so I came back to the Bronx and got acclimated more with some more of the Bronx shit, you know?
0: <laughs> what was a typical Saturday growing up as a kid
1: oh so so my mom was real big on like us not being outside in the street like that so she kept us real active so i was in this program called the schomburg at the Schaumburg center called the junior scholars program okay so every saturday from 10 a.m to 3 p.m at the library yeah yeah every saturday from from seventh grade to i finished high school from 10 a.m to 3 p.m i was in this program you know what i'm saying we just learned about black history you learn skills and shit. Actually, it's mad people that's popular today that's from that program. Like, my man Trav like, we was in that joint together. I don't know if you know uh, Tariq, um, big dude. He from uh, he from Mount Vernon, but he really from Uptown. But there's a lot of people from that program that's out, that's outside now.
0: I had a, a great friend of mine. She was actually the head publicist for the Schomburg Center. Really? Yeah. Nice. Uh, she's uh, she, she left maybe, like, a year or so, but I remember it was, like, a huge deal. When she told me, she's like, it was one of her dream jobs. You know, I mean, I've,
1: I've been in that building since I was 11 years old. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I've seen that building go from popular to remodel to switching, uh, what's they call that, the people in charge. But mm-hmm. yeah, Saturdays is mostly that. And then after that, <clears throat> my brother my brother was a basketball player. So we'll go somewhere and watch his games, hoop with him, be around the way. And then, you know, you just be outside. You know how I go growing up.
0: I definitely feel like New York is like that, but I also feel like that had to be an experience of itself, just being at the Chambourg Center at such a young age.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, And it
0: it goes from, like all things, it goes from like, yo, why do we have to do this every Saturday? For sure. To looking forward to doing it because you were learning new things.
1: Oh, yeah. Don't get it twisted. Those first two years, I hated my mom. Like, you want (laughs) to come here every Saturday at 10 a.m., wake me up. You know, by year three, it's kind of like, all right, cool. I met some cool people. I really enjoy this. I'm learning some new stuff. I'm actually building a skill. You know, I did, yeah. at that time, I was doing a lot of poetry. So it's like just understanding those different aspects of things. And I'm like, oh, yeah, nah, yeah. This is, over time, it's became, and then obviously, after I finished undergrad, I come back to New York, and I volunteered at that program to work there eventually, right? So it's, yeah. like, it's a full circle moment.
0: I feel like that's, when when parents have that kind of foresight, um, it, it's beautiful. Like, I, I can, I'll be the first one to say I hated Going to church on Sundays, I hated it, <laughs> hated it, hated it. Hated but was your church
1: it. like all day?
0: Emotionally, yes, like you know, emotionally, yeah, not,
1: but not physically. So you wasn't there all day physically.
0: We were there from a solid like ten to four.
1: Oh yeah, that's the day.
0: That's like, the day. No, that's the day. Like, luckily it was Sunday because there's no cartoons on Sunday. If they would have shown me Saturday, I probably would have slipped my wrist. Like I'm like I'm, <laughs> I can't eat I can't eat cereal and I can't watch cartoons. This is a lot. But I remember uh, my church was on the top of a hundred and a uh, hundred and seven. Like it was on the top of Nelson Avenue. Okay. Near university.
1: All right.
0: Um, so just where Nelson started.
1: Oh, that's the, is that a, it's a hill over there.
0: Yeah. So it was Bronx Church of God in Christ. And my grandmother would, oh, well not my grandmother, my aunt, she lived on 168th in Nelson. Mm. So we have to walk all the way from the, 168 all the way to the beginning of Nelson. And my fat ass would be dying and she would like, "Yo, come on." And I would have to hold my own bible. And <laughs> it was it was miserable. I hated it. Winter, sleet, snow. I was like, "Yo, I was like, God don't want us to do this." <laughs> There's nah. no way. So I, I understand, but then eventually I did like it. And and I think the full circle for moment for me was um I got a lot of morals out of that.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. Nah, I think I think my mom did a good job of letting us dictate how we do church. And we just happened to find a church. Thank
0: that God, I'm happy for you.
1: <clears throat> yeah, we found a church that was not all day. Like, their their whole mission was like, yo, you don't need to be in here all day. You just need to come, get the word, pay they your offerings, pray. and do what you got to do for the rest of the day.
0: I'm not going to hold you. They need to spread that gospel. <laughs> because I feel like church be too long.
1: Yeah, nah. I, I, can, I can see that happening. Yeah, I'll
0: have to do, I would have to do... Uh, kids' Bible Sunday school, then regular Sunday school, then service, and then after service, you know what I mean? We may have to go to another church. Yeah,
1: I was like, yo, See, so they had all those same things. So you had Bible school, but it was just You had Sunday school, but it was combined. It wasn't like oh kids and nah. non. Only thing that probably separated was like like uh young adults or preteens is what they called them back in those times. Yeah, with the with the little kids, but that was Bible school. And after that, you go to you go to you go to service. When service over, that's it.
0: That's Liddy. <laughs> That's Liddy.
1: Yeah. The crazy thing is our church. It was over here somewhere. It was actually on I uh, I don't remember the street, but it's on Reese Place. So it's like right by Pelham Parkway area. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah,
1: yeah. It was a. It was a. It was a church over there that we used to go to.
0: That's pretty dope. But that seems like a. That seems like a pretty pretty standard weekend though. Oh, like. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah no. And at that time, like you was talking about creatively. Uh like jumping into poetry Were your parents really big on creativity? Oh yeah, yeah And yeah. arts?
1: Yeah nah They just allowed us to to do a lot of stuff man I mean um, So most people don't understand I don't know if I want to reveal this
0: <laughs> Well if you're going to reveal You might as well reveal here On, on Live from <laughs> the Stu podcast so,
1: so most people don't know I grew up as a dancer Like Really? Yeah so I, I, I mostly did like jazz, ballet, tap dance mostly right um, mm-hmm. Went to perform when I was high school for that You know what I'm saying um, But my parents just kept us Real active, like I said. Like my brother played a lot of sports, mostly basketball. I danced all the time. Obviously, during this program, I figured out, oh, I, I like poetry. That's what made me a, a degree in journalism. Oh, I like writing. Right, mm-hmm. cool. Um, and then go from there. But yeah, a, a lot of it, like I said, for her it was just keeping us active and keeping us outside. Keeping us, we outside, but we just not outside in the way of
0: street yeah. culture. <laughs> I mean, I, I completely understand my um. My brother started dancing at a, at a, um, probably like a a older age. So he didn't, my brother got into dancing around like seventh, eighth grade. Okay.
1: Okay.
0: And, um, at first, like I was very much like, why are we having this kid dance? But like slowly, as I learned about the Alvin Ailey's Mm -hmm. and the famous tap dancers Mm -hmm. and just all this black Renaissance culture that's in it, Mm -hmm. that's deeply rooted in it that I think unfortunately, because of as much as I love hip hop music, I think that. With hip hop being so braggadocious, Mm -hmm. it's oftentimes kind of has the other art forms that Black people have contributed sometimes to kind of stand in the background.
1: They're not in the background, man. I think that goes down. That goes back to like that that purist, right? So if you're a purist in whatever that medium is, if it's if it's DJing, if you're a purist in dance, you are familiar with like. All of the great dancers, right? Mm-hmm. Especially especially if you're black and you know like you're familiar with your like your ancestry. Like I don't think a lot of people are familiar, but like the Nicholas brothers are like the illest people ever. But ninety mm-hmm. percent of the things the Nicholas Brothers just done, James Brown is taken from that, right? Obviously Michael Jackson is recreated with James Brown's done, James Brown's recreated Jackie Wilson. All of that stuff is the same. But the Nicholas brothers is the beginning of it. They're from the nineteen twenties, they're from uh Harlem Renaissance era, Cotton Club era, like between them, Cap Calloway, all of those guys are good. And then, obviously, those guys produced the Gregory Hines. Gregory Hines produced the Savion Glovers. And then, mm-hmm. obviously, it just continues to go on. And everything is just based around just – under. but you got to understand, like, the people before you for you to, to grow. And the same thing, like, in music. Like, if you think about, like, the music greats, they study something.
0: I agree with that. You know what I, saying? I agree with that. They study it.
1: some part of music, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. For Snoop it's it's the funk era, P funk era, G funk era, like that's his thing. Stuff you know, like that, yeah. if you look at if you listen to Kendrick, like yeah, he, he likes he likes certain types of rappers because of their tone and how they speak, but most of his music is
0: jazz, right? It's it, very boom bap, to be yeah. honest. It is boom bap, but Because has, but he has a lot of um he uses a lot of onomatopoeias, a lot of sound effects in his wording. And I think that's why we can those who are familiar with like jazz can hear it. I think one of the best probably would be to pimp a butterfly that has that. Yeah,
1: yeah. like that's a yeah, that's a soulful as jazz album, but it has that it has those those influences of the rappers that he like prior to him rapping. Absolutely, you know. So it's like like I said, everything is a is studying an art form. Like even in this, like I always tell people, like podcasting is just is just an extension of radio. And finding the dish jockeys that you really enjoy, mm, <laughs> you know
0: absolutely, I I completely agree. Like I think for um, as much as podcasts is popular now, um, people will always hear me advocate, you know, the combats of the world, the the Juan Epstein's of the world, you know, Peter Rosenberg and Scythe and and Eric and Jeff from it's the real. Like I I attributed those guys a lot to um. To, to, to speaking with people But then from a personality I remember the Mrs. Jones of the world I remember the Angie Martinez of the world The people who were not only Great at giving interviews They were great at being Personalities in those interviews mm-hmm. And people wanted to sit down and talk with them And not just discuss $200 dates <laughs> So I agree with you immensely um, So you mentioned journalism How did that really Come about because journalism is also one of those art forms as well.
1: Yeah, man, I mean, I just went to undergrad got a degree in broadcast journalism, so my ultimate goal was really to be like a news on air news anchor. Um, I could see that, but that never happened.
0: Um, it could still happen,
1: not it probably could still happen if I tapped on, in, now, but I'm good <laughs> off that.
0: Um, <laughs> I, but yeah, right, you can see it, right? Come on, this is 10 10 wins, so the banking lose network, <laughs>
1: <It can work. laughs> but um. Yeah, I think, uh, I think I think sh- lack of knowledge at that time, mm-hmm. and undergrad just made me look at the bigger picture the way I should have looked at it, right? Because at the time, like, the way I was told, it was like, oh, everything you're doing is going to get you to get on air, depending if you're big market, small market, right? Hindsight 2020, we're what, 10 years out of undergrad, 90% of my classmates are on TV right now. But in my brain at the time, it's like, oh wait, I have to wait seven years before I get on TV. No, I'm good. I'm not doing <laughs> Seven years. <laughs> what? You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's one of those things where it's like that. But it, it worked out. I mean, I like what I do for a living, you know. And I think also because having that background, having that aspiration, obviously makes my my job today a lot easier because I'm to navigate people, right? So
0: this is true. Uh, and you, I know, in the midst of doing undergrad, you did undergrad FM.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! The Florida a and University, the greatest HBCU in the nation. There's no debating it. We are the best. Wow. Like, okay. Wanted to be known.
0: All right. I I know like there's HBCU debates. I'm well aware of this. Um, I know that Lincoln has like they're the first. Yeah, nah. They and are. then 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 North Carolina has what they say they're the first. I know they there's some beef, and then Jameer went to Lincoln. All right. And so there's a battle between the two. So
1: usually, the battle is from from my knowledge, is that Lincoln and Cheney debate who's the first. Yes. Cheney, I think, was incorporated first or something like that, but Lincoln was technically the first HBCU, so they battled with that. A&T thinks that their homecoming is the greatest. Our homecoming is the only homecoming on earth. Like, that's the only one that matters. On earth. On earth. That's like,
0: like, <laughs> like Bottom and Bailey and then FAMU. Yeah, it's okay, just, I it's see just it. us.
1: It's like, you know, it's our homecoming. You know, but I think I mean I'm 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 a super advocate for HBCUs. I like HBCUs. I think this is all rivalry culture that just yes. amongst us. Um, but at the end of the day, I think each school just has their characteristics for that individual. You know what I'm saying?
0: So speaking of HBCUs, um, I how did you? What was your first introduction into HBCUs in high school?
1: Oh, so my sister went to Clark Atlanta University. Uh, uh, my sister's okay. eleven years older than me, so. I mean, she's in college and probably on what seventh, fifth grade, sixth grade, yeah. something like that. And like, I would just come down to Atlanta. I would see homecoming. Like, oh yeah, this is lit. All right, cool. Um, initially, I never applied to an HBCU, but my but my high school goddess counselor she um she asked me just one question. She was like, "Yo, you go to any school in the world? Like, what school you go to?" I said, "I just want to go to HBCU." And she was like, "All right, cool." And then that was it. Like that was the end of the conversation. <laughs> All right, and then like a few months later, I get an acceptance letter from Florida A and M. Like, oh yo, you've been accepted to this school. Never heard of school. Call my sister. She's like, yo, that school is lit. She's like, wait, you applied to FAMU? I was like, nah, I go to school. Take it to my guy's counselor. She's like, oh yo, this my this is a school I went to. I'm, I graduated from this school. I applied. You. It's like me and like five of the kids. Everybody in my school, we all got accepted. She was like, if you want, you should go to this school. She was like, you say you want to go to HBCU, Just say HBCU. Me being a New York City kid. I'm like, oh, my man, this is Florida. You want me to go to Florida? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard of Florida man? Like it's dangerous in Florida. Like I don't It's strangling flamingos. Like, yeah, why would I go here? Like I don't, don't
1: want to go to Florida. Like, you know what I'm saying?
0: Um, you was trying to go to the HBCU up the block from the crib. Like that like, yo, look, I found one, it's in Harlem. Like it's nah, I,
1: I really wanted to go to Clark, like to be honest. And I just I, all the strength that my sister went there and I yeah. experienced that, right? Um so like I didn't I know I didn't want to go to Howard and I know I didn't want to go to Morehouse. Because I feel like everybody growing up. That's all the schools they always talked about. Absolutely. So I was like, now nah, I want to go to them joints. And like a lot of people, a lot of people went to Clark, but I don't think a lot of people just like talked about it. But my sister went there, so I was like, Yo, I just want to go to that school. You know what, yeah. what I'm saying? But long story short, my guy's constantly sent me to FAMU and changed my life.
0: You know, it's the, and the reason why I brought it up um, is because I have, as well as a older audience that listens to this lovely podcast, we have a younger audience. And I think one of the things that I noticed when I was a kid in school, we didn't bring up HBCUs as much as we should have.
1: Interesting. I mean, yeah, no, no. Growing up, that's not a thing, right? Like, it's not. You live in New York City, they're they're pushing you to go to a SUNY school or a CUNY school. Yep. And and also, you're really only going to go to a SUNY school if you got good grades. If your grades are trash, you're going to CUNY.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you can get out on a on a on a EOP. Uh, scholarship Which will lower it A little bit What have you But that's for the most part It's only SUNY or CUNY It wasn't Shit I want to say the f- My guys counselor Didn't even tell us About HBCUs Like it wasn't even a thing Like The only one I knew of Was Howard Because of Diddy
1: Is Was your guys counselor Black She was a white woman See Alright so my guys counselor is black Right Aha. You know what I'm saying mm-hmm. It was a black woman Um, Actually I don't know Where she's from I want to say she's from New York But I could
0: be wrong Shout out to black women
1: Yeah yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She definitely changed my life, and like I said, like I never heard her to school, you know. But like once she sent me there, I ended up on that campus. Obviously, she's done a lot of things on that campus, and it was very influential there. So like that helped my my uh, my transition there go well. Absolutely, you know what I'm saying. And then vice versa. And I think I that's why I pay it forward to a lot of a lot of kids out of New York. Because like when I was at fam, there's a lot of people from New York, and I'm putting big quotation marks. They can't see me. But big quotation marks because it's like, oh, you're yeah, from New York. Oh, where are you from, New York? Like, what high school are you in? I went to high school in Tampa. I left New York when I was ten. My nigga, you are not from here.
0: You are where you <laughs> you are where you went to high school. I'm very big on that now. Like as an adult, if you if you went to high school in Buffalo, nigga, you are from Buffalo. Like, you what? are not from New York. You like, are from Buffalo.
1: Like you're not you're not from you're not from the city I grew up from. No, you know no. what I'm saying. So like I our bodegas are not the same. Yeah, I, I struggle with that a lot undergrad, but obviously like. I ended. I met yo. I met uh, I met two cats from from New York. And Any from Harlem, but I knew they was really from Harlem just off of like the core dress style. Like my man Harlem, they called him Harlem. My family, but my man Harlem, he from Polo Grounds, and he looked like a hood nigga from Polo Grounds. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I could see that. Like I feel like we just have this demeanor that niggas just know. Like all right, yeah, You're like, not yeah. And he was cool,
1: and he hung out with the Chicago niggas, and then like. My nigga, Michael Moore, he from, he from Riverton, but he was like, he just, he like a, a super Harlem nigga, Prada, yeah. Gucci, all that regular shit. And he hung out with the Philadelphia niggas. And, uh. then, and then when they met me, they're like, oh yeah, like you, okay, you from uptown. I can tell you are just a sneakerhead nigga. And I hung out with the DC niggas cause they really understood, they understood sneaker culture.
0: Abs- well, of course. You know what I'm saying? And like that I was that- going to ask you, I think that has to be interesting. Going to a school is full of black people from different walks of life. Oh yeah. Um your professors are black. Mm-hmm. So that's a different sense of pride and and um just more diligence sometimes when you see that. Like I felt like in school when you had a black teacher you was a little bit more excited mm-hmm. and you were and you know that was gonna push you more, but you were ready for it because you knew there was something that you wanted to prove to them.
1: Yeah, I always tell people when I went to FAM FAM was a, a it was a it was a culture shock for me because I've never been in an environment where it's everyone's black. You know what I'm saying? We live in New York City, so you got Spanish kids, yeah. Mexican kids. You go to school all types of motherfuckers. This is you know, true. You know what I'm saying? Depending on what high school you go to, you probably go to school with a whole bunch of Asian kids. You know what I'm saying? So, Facts. So, like, going to FAMU and just seeing every one of my classmates is black, I was like, oh, wow, well, this is, like, different. You know what I'm saying? And then learning, too, like, 90% of the kids in my in, in the year that I went, like, they were all, like, valid Victorians for their classes. Which I thought was like interesting because I was like I sucked in school, so like
0: you <laughs> think this is bad Victorian? You, you got this? This what y'all do it? all cared about school. <laughs> <laughs> what? Wait, this is a thing for you? <laughs> I'm here because because I didn't want to get fined. Like I didn't know y'all was doing things. You know, like wow. Yeah,
1: but nah, nah. Fan was a great experience, man. Like, and I'm still cool. with I mean, my core cool group of friends right now, we all went to school together. So
0: that's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. So after you graduate, now you're you're on the journalism wave, you're writing, I'm assuming. No. Really?
1: Nah, not at all. So like, so like, I had did an internship at like ESPN my whole time in FAM.
0: Of course, because that's, infl- yeah. And,
1: and also too, at that time, like the, whoever with the director of ESPN was, it was a FAMU alumni. So really? they would come back to FAMU and just get students to do internships, set us up. So I had got this internship and it was a dude there and he was like, yo, when you graduate, don't worry, you got a job. So I never networked after that. Cause I was like, oh, I don't have to worry about this. Like, he went to VMU He's gonna be here. He ended up quitting the year, graduated. <laughs> isn't life isn't life wonderful? Like the semester before, and like I remember because like all my classmates, like we kicking it. They're like, "Yeah, yo, this company just flew me over here. Got to do an interview. You know, They're fly me here to do another interview." And I seen it like, "Yo, the country don't got no job." <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, "What the? Fuck? You're like, I damn. Just, I just didn't set myself up for success." So you know, Dave. Yeah, I know Dave. Dave, one of my good friends, he went to school with me, went to FAMU with me. Yes. Dave had got an internship at Complex, stayed in my crib for the summer. He goes back to FAMU because he's in a five year program. So, like, like I finished, he goes back to finish his last year, his NBA program. He's in a five year NBA program. Somehow somebody reaches out to him and they're like, yo, you need interns and yeah, I need a job. So he's like, yo, why don't you go intern? He was like, yo, you need interns? I know somebody who can try to interest me. He gets me an internship at Complex and they're working there after my internship.
0: This is a beautiful like story <laughs> Like Alright I just want to be Let the audience be clear Usually I have like Real stories of like Trial, tribulation This is going very well
1: <laughs> I mean yeah That's the that's the power of our network too right like, And that's
0: the power of networking yeah. Like that's what It should like It should be a tr- smooth transition You should be able to To leverage the relationships That you have And good things happen So I don't want people to think Like this is a really easy story no, like, he's telling that that's how networking works and oh, yeah. how that's how it should go.
1: And, and a lot of it is, like, I think that was the universe, right? Like, person I went to school with needed a place to stay. Yo, you could stay here. I know you're doing an internship. Whatever you got to do, you figure it out. You're trying to get to New York. He goes back to school to finish his degree. I'm here, like, what the fuck am I going to do? I need to get a job. I interned there for, like, maybe six months. End up working with Key. You know, in the social media department. Yes. Working there for a little bit.
0: And this is that the what the, this is like twenty This is
1: two thousand ten to two thousand like thirteen. So this is old complex, twenty fourth street.
0: Yeah, this is actually a very interesting time at Complex yeah. too. Like yeah.
1: this is like click era, this is like social media. Blog
0: era, blog rapping era at that time. Yeah,
1: this is like social media bases, like like they I remember because they created Key's position, it didn't exist. Like they didn't they didn't have a social media manager. Mm-hmm. So they just made it up. You know what I'm saying? But like this is like the list era. Like I said, this is old complex. So anybody who's been to that old office on twenty fourth street between uh sixth and fifth, like you go upstairs, it's a basketball court right there, and then it's the fucking cubicles. That's it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> true, true, true innovation. <laughs> true innovation. How was those experiences of watching uh a company that was Kind of transitioning from print To having a digital hold And then as well as developing social media
1: Oh yeah, I mean, I think for me Like, I don't even think I was paying attention to that Because I was so engulfed in just being a student And I was like, like, going into that I was like, dang, like people don't even buy prints like that Like, I remember, like during that time i used to give magazines away because we just had so many in the office like anytime somebody came away you'll take a magazine take on you remember those magazines it used to be like there were coffee table books They were <laughs> like
0: but now like it's funny because life is full circle because i mean during the pandemic i scoured the earth on ebay looking for complex magazines yeah I, and soul collectors if i can,
1: if if my mom still has i have a suitcase like i have a a carry-on suitcase full of complex magazines if she still has it, I'll give them to you. I gotta find it though. You but it's it's, it's we'll a little next a, in the room. It's dude. a aye, 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 aye. Now You guys got every every illest book ever
0: <laughs> in this bitch. And it's it's you know, it has some personality. <laughs> we try to give it some funk sway. I like the uh I, I like the, the the Seinfeld meets Pharrell. That's that's my life.
1: That's a It's a good joint. And then you got the contact hot photo book, which I think is like one yeah, of the of course. most important photo books. Of this time period, like ill. So then you got the you got the
0: OG sneaker collab book. <laughs> Shout out to Torian. Torian. Torian definitely helped put uh put this font sway here. But um, yeah, that had to be amazing though to watch that kind of develop. And like most times, like we're in the middle of something, we don't notice how big it is. But that is pretty huge because you're watching. Social media develop in its infancy
1: Yeah, yeah, I remember Like, when I was at Complex, like First of all, it was the first time I ever heard of Coachella Like, I, I never heard of Coachella until I worked at Complex I remember, because it was a day at work Like, the whole office was like Yo, at this time we have to purchase these tickets And I remember, this is the year <laughs> This is the year Frank Ocean Like, what's the joint with the orange car? What's that called?
0: Uh, uh, Ultra Nostalgia That joint was out Nostalgia Ultra Yeah, so yeah. he was
1: like he was about to be on it, and like that was a big deal. And everybody's like, "Yo, we gotta go to Coachella," and I was like, "Wow, like what the fuck is that?" I never even heard of Coachella. Like, Compass just expl. Like, I always tell people, like, that's my uh my gate my door into the industry because like I got exposed to so much shit that I just never knew about. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And obviously, that shit just took off after that.
0: Well, yeah, because everything at that time was the exception. Now, everything that we talk about is the rule. Yeah. So like something like as. In your atmosphere, in your circle, like you fuck is Coachella? Now you would be crazy if you a kid would know what Coachella is now.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Whereas before, like 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 a Bonnaroo or something like that, no one would know. You yeah. would have to be in the know about. Yeah, that. you
1: would have to be in the know. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause like I said, I never heard of Coachella prior to working there. But no, nah, that was a great experience, man. It helped me out. Um, it led me to my to like one of my dream opportunities. So I always wanted to work in the music industry. And like
0: I could see that you give me a lot of music industry. Yeah, okay. Like All I right. see it. Here we go. Okay. Like, look the jacket, the Pierre Moss, you yo, look yo. like you're signing somebody. <laughs> 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 look like you're about to sign somebody. Like, yo, work with me, son. I got you, son. I believe in your music.
1: So here's another full circle moment that happens. That same goddess counselor that sent me to FAMU I come back to New York, I'm bugged down, like, yo, I don't I want to do something in the music industry. She said Oh, you want to work in the music industry? She said, Yeah, my husband's an A and R for Atlantic. So, wait, what? <laughs>
0: Relationships. So I'm like,
1: what? She's like, yeah. And went to Famu. I introduced you to him. No worry. So I like I ended up meeting with him. He said, Yo, Yo, my wife. So my wife used to be a high school. So he said, You went to Famu? I was like, Yeah. He said, You went okay? Like after that, he was like, alright, cool. Also, this person you may know, him, success.
0: Uh, probably by face. Okay,
1: but yeah, his name is Success, right? Like, and like he was like, Yeah, you got Um, he said, Let me see what I could do. At the time, I couldn't get no. He couldn't give me nothing in it because you had to be a student. Yeah, and I was like, Yo, dogs, I'm never going go back to school. Like
0: I'm I'm never going <laughs> I like how you said that. I'm never going back. You hear me? <laughs> like, I'm never going back to
1: school. Like what? Nah. Um but he ended up he ended up finessing it and making me like his like his personal assistant. You know wow. what I'm saying? And like that was a good experience too because I mean it it showed me so much of what the music industry is and I think the reason why I stepped away was because it was making me fall out of love with music because everything was a dollar it was dollar based. You know what I'm saying? Like
0: Yeah, it's more industry than music.
1: Yeah. I mean during that time period, like so, he had he had B.O.B., he had Trey Sons, and he had T.I. and I think I don't remember what the album was for B.O.B. But for Trey he's working on Chapter Five, and for T.I. is working on T.I. versus Tip.
0: That is an interesting place in T.I.'s career. That's a right around the case and everything.
1: Yeah, yeah. So he's like working on both those projects, <laughs> and what I'm doing is I'm helping him outsource beats. Like, he, he had this email that he would, anywhere he'd go, he'd just tell dudes, like, yo, you ever want to send me beats, just send us this email. And it just beat thousands <laughs> of beats in there. And I sat there all day just listening to beats, finding songwriters and getting stuff and, like, oh, I right, couldn't it showed me how to, it, it taught me what, like, what songwriters do. It's like, right, I made this song for these type of artists. And then, yes. you know, we get this, I get this folder, I make this folder, and then we take this folder to the artist. And the artist goes, oh, okay, I like two of these, I like three of these. Or success is like, no, this is the one. That we're gonna make for you, you know, saying type stuff, and in that, I think, I think I found Fumble in that joint. That's how we found Fumble. Really? Yeah, we found Fumble somewhere in one of those, in one of those joints.
0: I feel like it's crazy that you said. I remember uh, watching Making the Band two, Se- Making the Band season two, maybe with with Danny Kane and Day twenty six. Okay. And um, I had saw on TV Pool Bear. Okay. And I was like, Yo, I want to do that. I remember wanting to be a vocal technician because I was like, wait, so he sings the songs in the pitch and then they give it to the artist so they'll know a reference of how that was. I thought that was amazing.
1: Yeah, nah. And like, that was a great experience for me, you know, but I was like, all right, yeah, this is cool. But what, something, something happened in that experience That propelled me to be like I don't care about this anymore Because I like music And you fucking taking me Like I like being a consumer You're ruining my consumer experience Because I know what's (laughs) going on right now Yeah
0: Everything (laughs) that you thought They were in the studio And it magically (laughs) happened you're like No
1: Yeah And um Mm -hmm. I remember distinctly Like I told him I said yo When we finish these projects I'm just giving my two weeks I'm gonna quit And he was like What you gonna do I said I'm gonna be a photographer And I remember him saying Like what And I was like Yeah (laughs) no I'm gonna be a photographer Like it's cool And like but mind you, we still have, like, six months on both these projects. So, like, <laughs> he caught, I think he forgot that I was going And play. you were dead ass. I was dead ass. So, like, <laughs> I gave my tweets. He was like, oh, like, you serious? And I'm like, yeah. And I remember, like, my dad's a photographer. So, I went to my dad. I was like, yo, bro, I need a camera.
0: You're Live From The Stoop podcast with me, Robbie Digital. Well, what, what is Live From The Stoop? Live From The Stoop is just a conversation that I have with people from different walks of life about how they got from the stoop to where they are today. From art, music, design, culinary, you name it, you'll you'll find it here. So uh, sit back, relax, and if you do like, make sure you rate, review, and comment. And most importantly, subscribe. Now let's get back to the show. Let's go.
1: And like, he was like, well, how much you got I told him my money? He was like, all right, cool, we're going to figure out. He got me a little camera. And like, we just started it. That's how we started the photography journey after that.
0: That's beautiful, man. And then to go back to your dad and your dad, your dad had to be th- think that was like amazing that you wanted to pick up something that he had been doing.
1: Not necessarily because he did photojournalism, and I think that's just mad boring. You know what I'm saying?
0: Funny enough, <laughs> I think it's it's a it's a dual thing, right? Because uh, a friend of mine's by the name of Ruta, who also has an episode on this podcast. Um, his father was a was a photo. Of, uh, journalism, journal, j- journalist, and he said he they uh they did photography and um he told me like the work that really goes into that and like he would they uh he lived in Brazil so he would go on like night shoots with his dad to like study like organized crime that was going on in the city so I can imagine like it does give you it it could be like really extreme or really boring but it does give you. A different way of photography, though I'm oh. assu- I'm assuming. Oh yeah,
1: for sure. Like he's a he's a he's a pure street photographer. So like he really captures New York City. Like it's funny. I, like, I'm here now and I'm talking to him and I'm like, Yo, my man, you ain't taking no pictures of people with masks Like we in a pandemic. <laughs> like he ain't taking no pictures of people with masks And he's like, Nah. I said, but I thought you like capturing like the moment in time of like what's happening in real time. He's like, Yeah, but I don't know. It just don't it don't feel right for me. Like I don't like I don't like the way the pictures look when I take them. So, like, that's interesting to me. It's a, he always documents the street life in New York City. But now that people are wearing masks, it's like, oh, I don't I don't want to shoot that. And it's just weird to me.
0: It could be just the mask in and of itself. It's not really allowing him to get the expressions and the mood that he wants.
1: Yes, but I feel like you document the times, right? Like, at the end of the day, like, whenever you leave this body of work that you created. This shoot, is a part of it. Yeah, it'll be like, oh, I right, cool. He was here during the pandemic. What did it look like? It looked like this from his perspective. True. So I was like, why would you not document that to me? But, I mean, that's his personal prerogative.
0: Yeah. And I'm pretty sure through the mess of you picking up that camera, how did you come come about with what you wanted to shoot?
1: Uh, that took a lot of years to figure that out, man. Um, like, so I started out with sneakers. So, like, a lot of people don't know, too. I used to work at Davy Z back in the day, like, a long time ago. So I, I met Ronnie a long time ago. So I started working with him and my man SQ. And we were doing a lot of photography, sneaker stuff, which was cool. Um,
0: so you know, this is around what, the, like, the A6 early Kith days?
1: Oh, yeah. I was at Kith from, like, 08 to, like, 2012. So every time I came home for the summer or, like, uh, Christmas break, things are going to break. I worked Kith. Yeah. So, yeah, this is definitely around the A6, Ciccone era, Sabago era. Yes. You know what I'm saying? When this he, is around the
0: Mercer pant as well. Yeah.
1: This is yeah, this is right when he created the Mercer pant. You know what I'm saying? Which a lot of people don't realize, like, these jargons everybody wearing. That's Ronnie. He created that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I give Ronnie a lot of shit, but I will never take away the the Mercer Pant from him. It, it that's him. He revolutionized streetwear culture with that Mercer Pant. If we didn't get the Mercer Pant, we wouldn't have tech pants.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um But yeah, this is definitely around that era. So like like you said, Sabago, ASICs, big ASICs too. He's going he's done a lot of ASICs. This him, is so.
0: Jell Life 5, Jell I Fours. Yep, yep. Um is what the New York packed Salomon's rose, Go, rose, Golds. Yeah, Sam Mito, rose gold, yeah, Samito rose gold. he had
1: like the um, he had like these purple and t- uh, turquoise ASICs, Some drinks with ill, you know. This is Sabago Day, so he's doing like, like back then, Sabago didn't even make navy blue Sabagos, which I think is mad funny, which <laughs> <laughs> is true, you know what I'm saying. He had uh, he was doing a lot of stuff, but so I started shooting sneakers. Then after that, that transitioned to like, um, I shot a lot of events just, just to get my name out there. To figure it out and then like my mentor gave me some great advice he was like I remember I was going through like a slow season so like I don't know about if it's like that today but in the early days of photography in New York like when it got cold it got slow couldn't get no
0: work there's that that is very. I, I won't I don't know about now because I know so many photographers that travel I don't yeah. I think all, all of my photographer friends with you included they all work around the country so yeah. they don't really if it's cold here they're like yo I'm out I'll be back yeah. whenever.
1: So it was, But it wasn't like that no. So around that time it was I remember being slow And I, I was sitting with my mentor And I was going through And I was like Yo Brian I need some bread I figured it out and he was like Yo did you forget that you worked At like two major companies And I was like What are you talking about He was like You had regular jobs Before you were a photographer Like, <laughs> like
0: Get your head in the game
1: I was like And like, he just gave me perfect advice He was like Yo go back to Complex Go back to Atlantic Records And tell them that They need to hire you as a photographer Obviously they know your work I think you worked there already Right So they know who you are And like that was a perfect advice because all the people that I interned with, like Heather the is somebody I interned with. By the time I went back as a photographer, Heather the is in charge of everything. So it's like.
0: It made sense. <laughs> it
1: made sense. So it's like, all right, cool. You know, same thing with Atlantic. Like some people I had just left when I worked there, they were interns. They in charge of stuff now. So it just it just made sense. And that's
0: good relationship building.
1: Yeah. And that was just like, that for me, I was like, okay, like that's the science. And I just always use that as the science. Like, all right, cool. Like, Go back to what you know. Yeah. And use the use the people with the resources around you and, you know, see if they can elevate you and help you build. And I I, I obviously, like, I always tell, like, when I tell young castists, I always tell them, like, yeah, that's cool, that works. But just remember, like, they give you opportunity, so you got to execute. You know, that's always the the biggest thing people forget. It's like, you can have the resources and niggas can give you the op, but it's like, make sure you execute because it'll get more stuff for you.
0: <laughs> this is true. I think that's, unfortunately, in, in New York, we get so... Um we get so hell bent on the connection, and not the end result of utilizing the connection and being, what you said to execute what what you intended to do. Everybody has like this phone full of names and photos, but you don't contact those people or stuff like that. And like yo, know, you have to go back to the basis of why you started doing what you're doing and work from there. Yeah.
1: So, which one did you
0: wind up deciding to go do, or did you do both?
1: I did both. You know, and it was just like, it was a few one-off projects. It wasn't nothing like crazy, but it was, it put money in my pocket, you know. And it also showed me real money in photography. I was like, okay, cool. So people make, a, you people make a couple of dollars off this. All right, cool. You know, so like, end up doing those things. And then somehow, some way, I don't know how, but somebody introduced me to Chris Goins. And he ran PlayClothes at the time. And he was like, yo, bro, we need someone to come in here in-house and help us build these lookbooks. And I was like, all right, cool, let's do it. So I ended up working there for a while. And, like, that really helped me open a lot more doors in the industry and also, like, tie my old old places that I worked Absolutely. at. Absolutely. 360, because a lot of people are like, oh, shit, like, I used to remember you from complex days. Like, All right, cool, you in here now. You know what I'm saying? And it really just expanded. And it showed me a different side of New York, too. You know, so. And then from there, after that, like, after I left Playclose, I just went independent. And I've been working on my, working by myself for a while. And then, obviously, most people know when I lived here, I worked at Adidas for a long time. This is on, very true. Working at their running department. And just helping them build Adidas Originals and dZYc NYC, like that was a that was a fun time too, man. Because that was New York was on fire.
0: I think that I think I had ran into you in Soho at the time, and I was big Nike boys at that time. I was doing I was doing social media at Nike, and he was like, "Yo, I'm at Adidas," and like, but 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 then when I saw when you said it, it was like, "Oh, he's important Adidas, not regular Adidas," cool. <laughs> 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 because it was like because when you said, it, I was like, I don't know. I don't know nothing about Adidas. But then you also started running.
1: Yeah, I started running because of them, man. I mean, yeah, now nah, that was a good time too. I think like, um, so I got exposed to Adidas through my big homie, Quasi Kessie. Shout out to Quasi, Harlem World, you're already. You know what I'm saying? Um, they had signed him as an athlete. You know, he already ran marathons. They were building a team here in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were like, yo, let's do this. Quasi was like, yo, they about to do this big thing. Yo, You need to fuck with it. And I was like, uh, I don't know. I don't run my nigga. What the fuck are you talking about? And he's like, nah, I come through for real. And I end up he did a he did a run in Harlem. And like I remember I came to the run and the dude who was over the the project, his name was Andre Pernard. And I remember he was like, Chuck Marcus, how you doing? Nice to meet you. I'm like, Okay, yo, how you doing, man? He's like, Yeah, follow me on Instagram. He said, Yo, quasi talks about you all the time, I'm like, yo, you should be a photographer for us. Like, we're trying to like do some stuff over here. And I was like, Okay, cool. Like, I don't know. And like I remember what sold me on them is like, he was like, yo, let's meet. So he had like a stupid calendar. It was weird. Like, like let's say I met him in April. We didn't have a meeting until May. <laughs> that's how that's how busy he was. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, but in that meantime, they just sent me merch. Like sneakers, <laughs> clothes, socks. Like, And I'm talking about it was a big merch. And I was like, wait, they're just sending me all this stuff. I didn't do anything with them. I haven't had this meeting yet. And then I remember when I sat down with the and he was like yo what do you want to do like what do you want we well, need- to, to do cuz we need first thing you figure out to do with this merch. Yeah. <laughs> he was like what do you want to do cuz like we're going to build a running community and it's going to be the biggest shit in New York City and we want you to be a part of it but what else do you want to do in the brand like what does that look like for you like what's your goal and I was like I want to I want a a global campaign like that's what I want and he was like ah right, yeah we can set that up we can make that happen for you. He said but before we do that we want you to Help us build this running community as far as the photographer on the uptown side. So they they hired two two guys, me and another kid named Keith. And Keith kind of took care of Manhattan and Brooklyn because he lived in Brooklyn,
0: mm-hmm. and then
1: I literally just took care of just uptown. And like we built we built a community in uptown. And we and obviously most people know Adidas Runners is fucking humongous here now. It is, <laughs> you it know is, what I'm saying. But definitely. also running community in New York City is like the brand shit don't matter. It don't matter if you're Nike Adidas. It don't matter. At the end at of the day, we all family, right? We all yeah, run. Yeah. Just <laughs> in the uh,
0: we just uh, shout out to uh, to Heck. Oh, yeah, yeah. Shout out to Root Crew, man. That's the hoax. Yeah, homies, yeah. Right? So, definitely. Definitely, definitely. How did that inspire you to get into running?
1: Uh, I mean, I was just there a lot, right? Photographing them and watching them, obviously. And running
0: at the same time. Yeah,
1: I had to <laughs> run to photograph. So, like, that was that was part of me getting into running. Um, and then it just started off with simple stuff. Like, Quaz is like, yo, you from Uptown. You should do the Percy Sun 5K. I'm like, all right, cool. Let's do it. It's not that. And I think.
0: Plus, 3, 3.1, it's 3.1. Yeah, if it's a 5, well.
1: 5K is three. Yeah, 5K is three point two. Yeah, yeah. So like, and I think that that race is like twenty dollars. So I was like, all right, cool, I'll do it. Did the 5K. I saw the energy. I was like, oh, that's kind of ill. We only did this in Harlem. It's kind of <laughs> ill. It's kind of fire. You know what I'm saying? And like, we ran, we ran the neighborhood that I, I frankly grew up right around St. Nicholas Park through City College. Come back around right there on, on St. Nicholas. Finish on 135th. So it's like, oh yeah, this is dope. This is the energy. Then from there. You know, that transition to like, Ayo, oh, you should run your first half. It should be a stat now half the next one. Like, you should do it. I'm like, no, nah, I don't know if I'm ready for it. Have, nah, <laughs> no, you should do it. You know, so I went through a training program and I ran my first half and that shit was lit. And I was like, all right, cool. All right. And after that, they got real big. Yo, you should do a marathon. Yo, my man, I'm never doing a marathon.
0: Like, <laughs> and you know what's the crazy thing is? You got to love the running community because they, the peer pressure in the running community is real, yeah, ladies and gentlemen. But
1: it's only real because it's like. It's inspiring. It's inspiring. And you want to you want to have that accomplishment with the niggas around you because you're running with them all the time. So yeah. like, when you see someone who's running with you all the time and they come back and then they do a race and they got the medals, you're just like, wait. They give you
0: medals? (laughs) like You're like, wait,
1: I want a medal. (laughs) Exactly. So it's like, wait, what? You know, but for a long time, I was just anti-marathons. And then, like, when I found out the 50th anniversary of the New York City Marathon was going to be in 2020, I was like, all right, cool, I'm going to run a New York City Marathon. But I'm only going to run it one time. Don't ask me to do it again. So we went through that process, and I qualified for it in 2019.
0: Which is 26.2 miles, ladies and gentlemen, is no laughing matter. It's not.
1: It's not. I can barely walk today. You're continuing the your same running thing. I think the miles are getting longer, and it's just teaching you how to be, how to build like that part of me. It's teaching you how to get through the the long distance of just being on uh, running for twenty out twenty miles, seventeen miles, fifteen miles. Like and like, I right, what do I have to do to figure that out? I right, cool. I know I need certain nutrition for this. I know I need to keep myself hydrated. I know. I right, cool. This is how I'm gonna avoid cramps, and if I do get a cramp, this is how I push through the cramp to get it off of me while I'm running, so I don't stop running, keep my my rhythm going. Like it's just teaching you all those things. But I trained for that shit the whole 2019 for the fucking pandemic to happen and they canceled it. So <laughs> I,
0: and that's the oh shit moment. And speaking of that, so because I, I feel like I I want to say I ran into you. Prior to that, we had. I think I saw you at Soho House. Okay. Early, that was. I think Fab was DJing, and we were talking about the Lolo House. Yes, it was Lolo House, yeah. and we, I was there for like a quick minute. And I th- was that 2019?
1: That has to be 2019 because I yeah. left I left here in March of 2020, so it had to be 2019.
0: Yeah, and I think everybody was kind of like big plans. 2020, we're doing mad shit. <laughs> it was like, yeah, fuck yeah, we are doing mad shit. And the pandemic hits. Um. And how does that affect your life?
1: So, I already had a plan to leave March 31st, 2020, before the pandemic wasn't even a thing. So mm-hmm. That was happening for me, regardless. I was like, I'm off this. Um, pandemic hits. Um, so, the day I the day I leave New York and land in Atlanta is the day they shut New York City down.
0: Yes, that's a fact.
1: Like it's the same day. I remember because I called my mom, like, yo, I landed. She said, yo, you left at the perfect time. And they just put the order on to close the city. I so, <laughs> said, <so>, wow, great.
0: <laughs> As you're leaving ding bong, bong, doors are closing. Oh man! So now you're like, well, I'm here now because yeah. I can't go back. Yes, I
1: can't go back. So I go to Atlanta, um, meet my fiance at the time. We just kicking it, and like I'm like, all right, cool. Like we here. we chilling.
0: And Atlanta's wide ass open.
1: That's not true. So that's like, another, open
0: adjacent.
1: It's not. So like that's why. I, Social media, man, that shit is a powerful tool, man. Because I, oh, because it, right.
0: I went to Atlanta. I was, I was very like. So when
1: you guys did your tour, that's after the, that's like the middle of the pandemic. That's not the top of like when I got there, Atlanta was closed. Like you couldn't do anything. Like, really, like all most people did for the first from March up until July fourth was just go to the supermarket on the sun on, on the weekends. Niggas was not outside. Okay, you so know, yes, then
0: social media really you know, did a great job. But, but
1: social media made it seem like, oh, these niggas is outside every day. And it's like, <laughs> no, it's really not like that. You know what Atlanta, what now,
0: social media made Atlanta look like there were pools in the backyard. There were pool parties. Now, Rick Ross throwing money in the air. It was crazy. Yeah, but now
1: the beauty of Atlanta is what you're experiencing is people are quarantined. They just have these luxuries in their houses because they have all the space. You know what I'm saying? So it's just that. But I think like, when was y'all tour?
0: We toured... Uh, 2020 in October
1: October See so July 4th, July 4th A mandate happened Where like They allowed people to go To commune with each other But it had to be like 10 or less Or some shit like that And like That's when Atlanta really opened And then that's when It really got bad Cause niggas was like We outside now Fuck it You know what I'm saying
0: <laughs> <laughs> And this is In and, and the midst of this You're still engaged Yeah That's crazy Not crazy Cause you're planning for a wedding that you don't know well, when. Well,
1: we we're not even planning for it. We just we just
0: living at that time.
1: Yeah, we just living.
0: <laughs> yeah, because I mean, you're like that's what I'm saying. That has to be a lot because like your plans and stuff like that, and trying to process all that in the midst of like the world being at a complete standstill.
1: Yeah, but it was cool though. I mean, we had a good time in quarantine. Quarantine was cool, and then you know, July, like I said, July 4th hits. People came to town. I mean, just came to Atlanta. You know, we kicked it. I had a big cookout on my roof, and, like, that show was a good vibe. Um, and then after that, like, I still stayed inside because I wasn't fucking with COVID because I came from New York City, so I just know I know what COVID really looked like. Yeah. <laughs> COVID was pretty great. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I still was inside. I don't think I really, like, fully, like, got immersed in Atlanta's culture until, like, I got vaccinated. You know what I'm saying? Like, once I got vaccinated, it's like, all right, cool. I can come outside and fuck with y'all. And then I started talking, like, all right, cool. Atlanta kind of cool. It's a good little vibe out here. You know, it's it's some stuff, but it's, it's not New York city, but it's cool. You know, (laughs) you know, and I'm learning that too. Like nothing's ever going to be New York city.
0: Nothing's ever, you you can't, but I just like, yeah,
1: a lot of that shit is just like, they're very, they're very, uh, they're very old in a sense. Like, and you know, you know, the, you know, the rule of New York, you wear black, you can get in anything. You can get in a fucking black tie gala, just wearing a black t-shirt and black pants. This is true. You know what I'm saying? Like they ain't gonna say nothing. There, like, there's just mad rules. Like, I remember one time, <laughs> yo, it's 90 degrees, Rob. It's nighttime. It's 90 degrees. I had on all black, but I had on shorts. The nigga told me, yo, I can't let you in because you got on shorts. I said, yo, my nigga, it's 90 degrees out here. I'm not putting pants on. Like, what are we talking about? Like, all I want to do is go inside and drink. It's not even <laughs> like I want to do something crazy. Yeah, you're
0: like, <laughs> I don't see what the problem is with this. But,
1: like, they just had so many. So many fucking rules that I just couldn't get with. So that's why I always say, like, I'm always gonna I always gonna love New York for that. Cause New York ain't no rules here.
0: No. <laughs> if there's so because at the end of the day, if you can't get in here, you just go off the block or go somewhere. Or you and, know what spot. It's, or you have a spot.
1: You have a spot. And also too, like, New York is the beauty of New York is like you have the ability to walk out. You do. You know? In Atlanta, you don't have that ability because they wanna make you pay to walk in. Which I, I still never get it because it just doesn't make sense to me. I'm coming to spend money. So,
0: as you have your professional career, how does your other endeavors and your other hobbies and other interests start blossoming in that?
1: Cool. So, Millennial Love Story started in 2018. Yeah, it's well, I can I I can I'm created it in 2017. It was released in 2018, but it started here in New York City. So, um, well, I lived in New York, but I actually started it when I was in Atlanta visiting. So like I was in Atlanta for like a week and I was just visiting. And I was like, "Yo, let me see something right quick." So like, um, I don't know if you know Bree from uh, Spike Spin. Yes. So Bree and Zach, they were in Atlanta one time. So I, I interviewed them there. Um, I interviewed some other people I went to school with, and I was like, "Oh, this is kind of cool." Like, and really, the idea of Millennial Love Stories was for two things. Um, me and my partner Michelle Nance. Um, she was going through a situation with her relationship and for me I was just trying to figure out how to navigate being in a relationship and still being outside you know what I'm saying like what, Very the, difficult. what the fuck is like how do people do this right um, and it was really just a case study for me in the beginning Um, but I ended up coming back to New York um, I linked with my homeboy Keenan who went to school with me um, and he's real close with Jonathan Jackson who used to be like one of the co-founders of Blavity and he's like yo John Chuck has this like idea and it's fucking gold and you niggas need to fuck with him and John was my neighbor, so he was like, oh, yeah, it's done. Just tell me what you want. And I was like, yo, John, I want to release a couple every day from the month of February. He was like, "He was like, all right, cool. He was like, well, when you want to start? I said, oh, it's done. He said, it's done. I said, yeah, I already got 20 couples. I shot them already. Everything's done. Like, we just need to let you niggas roll it out. And he was like, what the fuck? And, like, we created this idea. The idea was just to show um, young millennials who are navigating life Meaning, going to brunch, having kids, working, traveling, spending money, getting fly, all that good shit. And how are you doing that and still maintaining being present in your relationship?
0: Which is a job in and of itself.
1: Yeah. Um, And it worked out. It was good. So, the first year we did, the first two years we did with Blavity, um, and that really helped us. Like, we, one, we got a chance to highlight some of my friends, you know, who 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 are in relationships and who are really doing the goddamn thing. Obviously, around that time, I think like, I think in year two, Black Love is like now on television, you know? And I was like, at first I was like, oh, this is cool. Well, no, no, no. Actually, no. Black Love was out already because I seen Black Love and we were shooting. We were producing Love Stories and I seen Black Love and I was like, oh, this is cool, but this shit is mad old. Like, because there was nobody in there under like 35, I think. Everyone was like 40 plus. <laughs> yeah. Like,
0: y'all. St- I understand what you mean. Yeah, so
1: I was like, this is cool, but like this don't. This is cool, this is great advice This is good hindsight stuff to look at later on But it's like, it's not feeding me today you know? Kind of
0: like uh Everything Is Love album Yeah I feel like Everything Is Love album I'll appreciate when I'm older and married When I listen to it now, I'm like It's cool
1: Yeah, so Yeah, Millennium Love Stories, it took a life of its own the first two years And then everybody was like, yo, I gotta do it And I was like, yo, I asked you to do it Curve me Isn't that? So- <laughs> you know what I'm i just want I want
0: to let y'all know that like <laughs> The reason why I love Chuck is because I literally hit Chuck within the time frame that he was here. And I was like, yo, can you do this? He's like, yeah, sure. I don't know. Let me the address. You don't know how hard it is, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, to get people to, for one, come uptown. Because guess yes, we're in the middle of nowhere.
1: Oh, and been, I didn't know where <laughs> I was coming. So when I see him, i like, oh, I already committed to this.
0: Right, cool. <laughs> Secondarily, cool. Uh, Secondarily, success and failure are... Are closely related So some The the hardest thing Sometimes is getting guests But then when it's working Then you have Too many guests Yeah <laughs> You're like I need to slow down So I can only imagine People like, go oh, Celebrate our love yeah. Like we're in love yeah. You see and, us And like
1: <laughs> And we already had A working list of people That we wanted to hit We just never got a chance To get to them mm-hmm. So like that was the thing too And then like year three So year three never happened Because um She went through Like a crazy situation And I moved so I was like, "Yo, we're just gonna figure it out after that." And then, like, we were trying to get sponsorship money too because I wanted it. I wanted to go. A lot of our, a lot of our friends that we had on the working list had moved: L.A., Dallas. They moved yeah. mad places. So I was like, "Oh fuck!"
0: Like, how are we gonna do this now? You know? Because you want to follow this, you want to follow the story. Yeah,
1: you know. So like, like I always tell people, like, the first two years, it's all the DMV, New York City, in Atlanta. That's it. We never hit Chicago, we never hit Dallas, we never hit LA, we never hit Texas, but we got a whole like running list of things. And we, we're we going to revive it, we just have to figure out how we want to do that, because we're independent now, right? We're not letting it live anywhere else, yeah. like we produced it on our own. So we have our own website, millenniallovestories.com. Let's go. You can read the archives, all of the archives
0: are there. Come on now. You know, so
1: you can go there and check it out. But it's just like, yeah, we have to figure out a new way to, to do it. Like year two, my man Justin Lamar, shout out to Big Just. He um he helped us introduce video to it, but those are like real Instagram clips, and this is like early Instagram clips. So it's like only a minute, but you know it's just like he's gonna figure out ways to make more content. But I wanna I wanna bring it back. I just gotta figure out the best way to do it.
0: I, I think d- you should definitely hold, definitely bring it back, which I know you're going to.
1: Yeah, and I think and I think like it's a lot challenging now because both of us our lives are just different. At that time, we had more time to do shit. She was able to transcribe all the interviews. She can't do that anymore. So like yeah. we've been like. Look, using a third party to transcribe, and then she has to go read, like write yeah. her own yeah. version of what they transcribe. So, like, it's just that process of like understanding the thing. Yeah,
0: the shout out to uh, to Reg from uh, First Class Breakfast because he hit me. He's like, "Yo, did you did you read what you wrote?" I was like, "Yeah, bro, I was high and I was half asleep." So, if there's any edits, please let me know. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's like, you just want me to, yeah, whatever. Please, like, this is my thoughts, and you can rearrange it any way you want to.
1: Yeah, and she's really good at that. So, like, Michelle, Michelle does a great job at that, man. Her writing skills is, is, is impeccable.
0: So, as you close out 2020 going into 2021, and now we're damn near closing out 2021, how do you feel you're planning for 2022?
1: Oh, 2022 is good now, man, because uh, I'm definitely, like, a little bit more cemented in Atlanta. Um, they still not fuck with me because they think I cost too much, but I keep trying to tell them it's market rate.
0: <laughs> the price of the brick Is the price of the brick Yeah you
1: know It's just market rate Like it's not gonna change Sorry guys but, <laughs> but I mean I mean I think I think good for me Is that you know The the When I'm producing for them And creating for them And them getting Like they realize Like okay we gotta pay We gotta pay it Cause it's No one's giving us content Like this You know what I'm saying And I think that's
0: very important Everyone Once people see what What your work is Then they're like Okay I see what I'm paying for now
1: Yeah So But um 2022 is looking good man Like we got some relationships out there that we're fostering to move into twenty twenty two with. Um, beautiful. We've we've been work I've been working with some brands this year. Um budgets are opening next year. So obviously revisiting that and doing those. I things. don't have a
0: chiching ching sound, but ching
1: <laughs> you know, um possibly may work with the brand again. You know, we don't know yet. I have a conversation about it. So, you know, that'd be cool too. Get back with them.
0: And I see I see you. Bouncing between both like you're definitely developing your own brands independently of what you're doing and, and networking those relationships. I think that um, you're one of the few creatives that I know who can express themselves through their artistry, Mm -hmm. but you know, through this interview learning that you can definitely express yourself through networking as creatives. We often find that our most talented people are introverts.
1: Yeah, and I'm not introverts, super extrovert.
0: Yeah, so the fact that you can balance both, I think that's really uh, heaven sent. Like you don't really see that among most people. Like either, oftentimes, unfortunately, in the creative space, you get the people who are super extroverted. You're like, oh, I mean, they're like not gonna get what I fuck I need to get done, done because they're always fucking outside. <laughs> <laughs> and then the people who are inside who are really talented. You can't fucking find them because they're always the fucking side. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. the fact that you've learned to balance both throughout your career has been really amazing.
1: Yeah, nah, man. I, I, I that that goes back to to that foundation. of Another full circle moment. Like my mom's just putting us in those environments to be social, right? And like, yeah, just learning how to like navigate that, right? Um, and I think also too, shout out to my school. I think fam, you taught me. They taught me the value in in networking. And how to balance, like, what time management really means. You know what I'm saying? Like, most people who know me, like, I value time so much. Like, I'm not, like, you tell me 1 o'clock, I'll be, here, I'll be there at 1245.
0: Nah, you was here early, you know, which I appreciate. You like, know what I'm saying?
1: saying? But it's just, it's just I just value the time, you know? You know, because I just, it's like, yo, like, I right, we said this. All right, I'm going to be there. I got you. And I'm going to be there early. And it's like, all right, cool. Like, let's be out, you know? But it just it's just those things. A lot of that is just, like, all part of, like, the journey of growing up,
0: absolutely. Yo, Chuck, thank you.
1: No, thank you, man. I appreciate you. Good seeing you, my guy.
0: Oh yeah. Oh, literally, I know. This is this is us catching up. <laughs> so <laughs> this is us getting a recap of our lives and also catching up. Uh Chuck, tell the people what you're into right now. Where they can find you, all your information as much as possible.
1: Yeah, man. Um, you can find me on all social media platforms at um, Chuck Marcus, C H U C K M A R C U S. If you're on Instagram, just look for a green dot. It won't change. I promise. Anywhere else, there's no green dot. You just got to look for Chuck Marcus. Um, I'm me. There's no one else. There's no one. There's no asterisk. There's no space. There's no underscore. It's literally that. Um, website, ChuckMarcus.com. And obviously, if you need me, just hit me up. You know, I'm very uh, responsive on these social media things.
0: Guys, you already know what it is. Chuck, thanks for you showing up. Guys, tune in next time. You already know what it is. Robbie Digital, live from the Stoop Podcast. Till next time, let's go.